0: So here we are in January 2021 and it's been roughly a year since COVID-19 started and what a year it's been we've seen our lives stripped back we've gone from unlimited freedom the ability to do what we want when we want to long standing restrictions for some of us our job situations have dramatically changed or we may be attempting to work and study from home but struggling because of a lack of a good setup or perhaps because of children or housemates or other responsibilities we may have found ourselves shielding due to our age or even our health. For many of us, our lives would have become simplified. Long gone are the days where we had a full diary of events, meetups, and socialising. I remember back in pre-Covid days, I used to write the word home in my diary to signify a night in, but now if I were to do that, that would literally be one of the few words I see. However, as with any major disruptive event, COVID has created the opportunity to reflect on ourselves and on our lives. We may have found ourselves asking the big questions about our identity again, like, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And perhaps with COVID, these questions have become even more prominent due to the endless days in the house, the changes in our working situations and the lack of events or meetups. Some of the things we used to define ourselves by Our work, our social life have changed or perhaps gone completely. And the good thing is that God has so much to say about our identity. If you found yourself asking big questions about your identity this past year, I'd encourage you to delve into the Bible and see what God has to say to you about it. But This morning, I want to look at one aspect of our identity that may help us as we ask these big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? And we're going to be doing that by going back to the start of the story that we find ourselves in, in the Bible. In these first few pages of the Bible, God gives us the foundation of our identity. And with all the changes brought about by Covid, we'll do well to revisit this so that we can recalibrate our identity to God's word. So let's go to Genesis 1 verse 1. So here we find ourselves in the creation story. So verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So here we see the world in a pre-creation state. It was formless and empty. There was no form or purpose or order to the earth. And the earth was empty or void. It was barren, a wasteland. And then in verse three, we're introduced to the character of God who we see speaking and by his word things are created. God forms the earth providing order by the creation of light, sky, land and vegetation. Next, God fills the earth so it's no longer empty by creating the sun, the moon, the stars, birds, fish and animals. And then God gets the pinnacle of his creation. So we'll jump back in again at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image And then again just jumping to verse 31 God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day so here we see the foundation of our identity the first thing that God says about our identity is that we're made in the image of God this is foundational to who we are why we're here and what our purpose is so we're going to explore in the rest of our time together both what it means for us to be made in the image of God And the impact it has on our lives today. So, Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So mankind here means all the human race, the whole of humanity. This means every human on earth has been made in the image of God. So that's everyone from your family to the stranger walking down the street and of course it includes you and me. And this would have been groundbreaking for the ancient Israelite reader for someone who would have heard this thousands of years ago in the times of the Old Testament. The reason being is that the surrounding cultures to the ancient Israelites used the term image of God to describe their king and only their king. This would have been a male figure who ruled over the ordinary people on behalf of the gods that they believed in. So in their culture there would have only been one person who could have been described as bearing the image of God and it would have been the king of their people. However, we see here in Genesis that all of mankind, every single human being, is described as being made in God's image. There is a level playing field. No one person is greater than the other. Instead, all of humanity have been given this privileged status of being made in the image of God. We've all been given the status of kings and queens. But what exactly does it mean for a human to be made in the image of God? What does this tell us about our identity? I've got two points that we're going to explore this morning. So firstly, let's have a think about what the word image means. So here I have an image. So hopefully you can see that. So who is this? Well, unfortunately for me, my video camera isn't the most responsive audience. So let me tell you, this is me. Well, at least this is pre-COVID me when I used to get regular haircuts and be able to get my eyebrows threaded. But technically it's not me because I'm right here. This is just an image. You could say that this is just a representation of me. It's not the real me, but if you were given this photo in a room full of people and you were told to find me, this image would enable you to recognize me. And that's kind of what it's like to be made in the image of God. We represent God, we're God's representatives. And this is the foundation of our identity. We're not God ourselves, but if you look at the image, you would gain an awareness of who God is through the image. We, as images of God, point to the reality of God himself. In fact, another way of translating the word image in Genesis is idol or statue. Idols or statues were used in ancient times, and sometimes even today, to be a visible representation of an invisible God. They represent God in a visible way to those around them, That means that God intended for the whole earth to be full of images or even statues of him. Humans who would represent him on the earth to all of creation. And that's really important for us today. It means that everywhere we go, we all represent God. Whether that's in our home, neighbourhood, workplace, or just when we're shopping at a supermarket or walking around the park. But what does it look like to represent God wherever we go? Well, one of the main ways is reflecting God's character, his love, kindness, generosity, his sacrificial nature, for example. Through everything we say and do, in every environment we're in, we represent God and his character. It's by our words, actions and deeds as humans that we make visible the invisible God. We make it possible for people to know what God's character is like. And this is especially important in times like We're in a unique moment of history where representing God's character can make us stand out from the crowd in an even greater way than before. Our God is a God of peace so we can be people of peace and hope in a time of uncertainty and division. Our God is generous so we can choose to reflect his generosity and remember that all that we have is a gift from him. Our God is loving so we have the choice to go the extra mile for people, to prefer others, to sacrifice our own wants and instead meet someone else's needs. And then as we move forward out of the pandemic, we'll find that our lives, our neighbourhood, our city has a long journey ahead to rebuild itself. And in these times, we must be reminded again that we are God's representatives. And we can ask ourselves, what would it look like to represent God's character as we rebuild our lives and the city? Well, perhaps we can reflect God's love by not only helping people in the immediate crisis, but by building relationships and continuing to serve people's needs in the the time to come. Whether that's the people you've helped personally or through the church, these people will remember you and understand more of God's love if we continue to get to know them and show love to them. That may be through continued relationship, meeting practical needs, or even speaking to them about Jesus. We can reflect God's justice by choosing to stand alongside those that have been badly affected by the pandemic, whether that's someone you know or a certain people group or your neighbourhood. We can come up with creative ways to alleviate their situation, continue to provide and give them a voice or a platform to express their needs. Or we can choose to reflect God's generosity by giving our time, money or resources to prefer the other. This could be spending quality time with someone in need or donating money or resources or time to a project. I could go on. So today, I encourage you to remember that part of your identity is that you are God's representative. You represent his character. And therefore, I encourage you to think about how you can do that in every environment you're in, your home, your workplace, your university. And I've just given some generic examples, but each of us is placed in a unique situation with unique interactions where we can reflect God. Through all we do and say, we have an opportunity to show off his character to those around us. And this is not just something for today, but something for every day. It's not only how you can represent God's character now, but how you can continue to do so in the time to come. So that's our first point. As images of God, we're made to represent God, and in particular, his character. So moving on to our second point. So let's take a look back at the Bible in Genesis. So in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. So that's the really crucial part. We're made in God's image so that we can rule. And then continuing in the passage, it says, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And after that um, God created humans in his own image. God blessed them and gave them a command and this is something called the cultural mandate, a command God gives all humans to in essence create culture. So in verse 28 it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So why did God create us in his image? It was because he wanted us to rule, to have authority over his creation. Part of our identity is that we've been made to rule, we've been made kings and queens over his creation. And this may surprise some of you. Often when we think of humanity made in the image of God, we think of it in terms of humans having consciousness, morality, creativity, or spirituality. We think of the things that separate us from animals, but it doesn't seem to be what the Bible is telling us here. Instead, it tells us that, that being made in God's image is to rule. To rule over something is not language that we use in our everyday life. We don't tend to say that we're ruling over our household chores or our email or our parenting. So I think the best way to understand what ruling is, is to, is to see how God has been depicted as ruling so far in the story. As after all, we are made in his image. So far, we've seen God ruling over the creation. He's taken what was chaotic, unformed, empty, a wasteland, and has created order, form, and beauty. And all of this so that the life he created, the birds, the fish, the animals, and the humans, could flourish. In essence, he tells Adam and Eve here to do the same thing. Although as humans we cannot create out of nothing, we can do things that create order, goodness, and beauty. We can take what has already been created, and work with it so it flourishes. To expand on the concept of ruling, the Bible uses a variety of words here to explain the tasks that God gave to Adam and Eve. In verse 28, God tells them to, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. The idea here is for Adam and Eve to take their small family unit of two people and develop communities, societies, even civilizations of people that would quite literally fill the earth. And straight after telling them to fill the earth, God tells them to subdue it. Subdue, like the word rule, isn't one that we use regularly in our day-to-day language. When we think of the word subdue, we tend to think of conflict, bringing a nation or a people under our control, and it can be used in that way. But the word subdue doesn't inherently need to carry those negative connotations. In this context, context, it means to see what you have in front of you and to bring vision to it, an idea of what you'd like it to be. And with that vision in mind, you use the tools you have to control it or shape it in such a way that it does stuff that it wouldn't do on its own. In essence, you're doing what you can to bring your vision to life or fruition in front of you. Any of you budding gardeners out there will know what you mean, know what I mean. If you have a patch of soil in your garden and you don't create a vision for what you want it to be and you leave it be, it will just start growing weeds. But if you come up with a vision, use your tools and do some hard work, you'll subdue the land in a way that it creates a vegetable patch or a flower bed, whatever your vision it was in the first place. So let me show you an example. So on the screen now, you'll have a picture of Ruth and Steve's garden, one of the lovely couples in our church. The garden is beautiful. They've clearly had vision, they've worked hard to subdue the earth, and the result is a delightful garden. A garden that is able to sustain all sorts of life. A garden that is flourishing. It's great. Well now, here's a picture of mine and Thomas's garden. It's quite the opposite. To call a spade a spade, it's in a really bad way. It's full of weeds, there's no space for any grass to even attempt to come through and one of the few things we've done to the garden is plant that very sad looking mini Christmas tree at the back. Do you see it? It's safe to say we've lacked vision, creativity, and just haven't put in the hard work. Our garden is crying out for vision, subduing, and ruling. So it's a similar idea for Adam and Eve. They were called to work the land in front of them by subduing it, by ruling over it, so that life could flourish in all its forms. This was by creating vision, using the tools they had and working hard to cultivate the land. You may be asking, what was the vision that Adam and Eve were meant to have for the earth? Well, ultimately, it was God's vision. God's vision for the earth. God didn't want them to rule in any way they pleased. Instead, he wanted them to rule over creation his way. Think about it. Alongside Adam and Eve's mandate to rule in creation, Adam and Eve were also given guidelines on what to do and what not to do. Some of you would have heard of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and to trust what God thought was good, what God thought was right and pleasing, what God thought was the best way to live and the best way to rule. God's grand vision was for his earth to develop and flourish and he decided to do that by creating humanity in his image to be representatives of who he was and his good rule here on earth. We were to multiply and fill the earth, extending his rule wherever we went. And this would lead to the earth developing, flourishing, to the spreading of beauty, goodness and delight. You see, God's vision for the earth was not for it to stay as it was. It was meant as an ongoing project, not a finished product. His provision was for Adam and Eve to take what they had and multiply and extend it across the whole earth. In verse 31, we see that when God surveyed his creation, he called it good. God called it good rather than perfect. So perfect in Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, means complete. But God calls the creation good. That means there was still potential for it to be better, for it to evolve and develop into a state of perfection or completion. The creation was just in its beginning stages of life. What we read in Genesis 1 is just like watching the first five minutes of a movie. The scene has been set, a good creation, you've met the main characters, God and humanity, and now you've got to let the story play out. And the way God wanted the story to play out was to partner with humans to work the land God had created in order for land to be brought to a point of perfection. This was God's vision for the earth. So Adam and Eve and all successive generations had a project on their hands They were to multiply and fill the earth. They were to rule by looking at the good land in front of them and subdue it with the tools God had given them. This would allow the earth to flourish and to bring it to a point of completion. And so this is why humanity was made in the image of God, to represent God and to rule over God's good creation as his his delegated authority by partnering with God and taking the creation project forward. This is what ruling was all about. However, I'm sure many of us will know that Adam and Eve didn't do the best job of this. By chapter three, we see that they had turned away from God and decided not to trust his vision of what was good and bad, his vision of how best to rule and subdue the earth. This led to the image of God in them being marred. It became spoiled, like a piece of art that had been defaced. And it meant that although they still had great potential and tools to rule and subdue the earth, their efforts could have destructive effects on society even with their best intentions. But the cultural mandate still stands. Just because sin entered our world, it doesn't mean that God has stopped wanting to partner with humanity to bring the earth project forward. Throughout the Old Testament, God still chose to partner with his people. And in the New Testament, through Jesus, God has chosen to partner with us, Mm -hmm. with you and with me. So part of our identity is that we're made in the image of God to rule on the earth. So what does this mean for us today? What do all those commands God initially gave Adam and Eve mean for our lives in the here and now? Well, remember I said that for Adam and Eve to rule, they would need to look at the good land God created, use the tools they had, and partner with God's visions to subdue the land. Well, today we need to do exactly the same thing. Let's take surveying the land first. For all of us, our land is the UK or Greater Manchester. It's hard to ignore that Covid has had a profound effect on Greater Manchester. It's unearthed and worsened inequalities between different races, socio-economic backgrounds and different ages. There's been a rise in poverty, unemployment, mental health issues, isolation and so on. Then to take it to more of an individual level, our land is our home, it's our street, it's our workplace, it's our place of study. It's the places we find ourselves in on a daily basis. And it's the people we interact with there. Alongside the normal ups and downs of life, we've seen that COVID has had an effect on each of those places we go to, and in particular, the people we find there. There have been positive things that have happened in this past year, of course, but a lot of people have experienced negative emotions such as disappointment or boredom, grief, loneliness and sadness. And so, this is a landscape that we can see as we look out around us. This is the land we're called to today to rule over. Next, let's consider the tools in our hands. So, just like Adam and Eve would have used tools to subdue the land in the Garden of Eden, we have to pick up tools that God's given us to do the same in the landscape we find ourselves in. So, what are the tools in our hands? These could be the skills we have, whether it's communication skills, IT or creative skills, teamwork or so on. This could be our vocations, whether you're a scientist or you're raising a family, a teacher, a plumber or an app designer. Our tools include our spiritual gifts, for example, encouragement, service, leadership, or wisdom. Our tools include our personality, so you could be an introvert or an extrovert. We could be optimistic or humorous or might have an attention to detail or be particularly organised. Our tools include our money, our time and resources and how we use all of those things. And let's not forget that prayer, worship and thanksgiving are all tools too as we praise God, intercede and ask God for his kingdom to come here on the land. Each of us has a unique set of tools in our hands to use to rule over the land as we see it. No one else has the exact same tools that you have. God has designed all of us equally and uniquely and it means that we all have a special part to play in ruling. Lastly, we look to partner with God and be led by his vision to rebuild the land. We've seen the landscape, we've got our tools, and now we need God's vision before we can get to work. And God loves his creation. And that hasn't changed even though sin continues to infect our land. The cultural mandate to fill and subdue the earth still holds, but now there's this added dimension that includes God's restoration and renewal. Because of sin, things on earth aren't the way they should be. There's brokenness, sickness, divisions and death. God's vision for the earth is now one to remove sin and its harmful effects, to bring people and the world once again back under his loving, gracious and just rule. Another way to say this that you may be familiar with is to say that God's vision is to bring his kingdom here on earth in its fullness. So for us today, when we look out over the land, we see a land that has been affected by sin, instead of seeing what was just good like Adam and Eve did initially. But our call is the same, to know God's vision of what is good, beautiful and perfect, and to rule in such a way that this becomes more evident on earth, in a way that renews and restores the earth to a point of flourishing. So, as part of our identity as rulers, we've surveyed our landscape, we've got our tools, and we're partnering with God with His vision for renewal and restoration of the land. But what does this look like practically? What does it look like in real life? Because, of course, we're not all gardeners. I'm sure from the picture earlier you can safely see that I'm not one. In fact, I once mowed a friend's lawn to help them as they were busy with a newborn and they managed to excavate a hole in their lawn large enough for their baby to lie in. It was quite an achievement really. But of course, this wasn't the vision they had for their lawn, or for their baby. But thankfully, as the earth has developed and people have multiplied, there's plenty of ways we can subdue and renew the earth that don't just involve gardening. In essence, ruling over the earth for God looks like us just doing something in each environment we're in. In each and every environment, we hold on to God's vision. We take steps to see that happen. For instance, we all interact with people. This may be our family, our friends, our colleagues, our children. Using our tools, we can find ways to promote the flourishing of all these people, whether that's through being an attentive listener, by encouraging or supporting and loving them the best we can. Next, if we look at our jobs or our volunteer time, we can see that most of our roles contribute to society in terms of goodness, beauty and flourishing in some shape or form. For example, if you're in science and technology, you may be able to create, tweak or run a project or software that helps in some way. If you work in the media or arts, you take words or materials and create something that inspires, that informs, that adds beauty to the world. Whether you're a graphic designer, a tradesman, an actor, a supermarket assistant or an HR, what we do does contribute to society. As a whole. Next, take some of our hobbies, perhaps it's playing an instrument or cooking or painting. Each of those takes something such as sound, ingredients or materials and work with them in a way that they create something beautiful for yourself and others to enjoy. Some of these may seem small, almost inconsequential, but either way, we are fulfilling our identity as rulers by doing them. Remember, all of this started in a garden. And over many many years we're now where we are. It's due to people taking small faithful steps with what they have that we're developed as a society to where we are today. And I think this is particularly important to remember today. No matter how much your situation has been changed by Covid, whether that's more or less time with your family or your job or time at home, the chances are you are fulfilling this part of your identity to rule. It may have looked different, but your identity has not changed. You were and are still living out a purposeful life. So whether you have found yourself questioning your identity and purpose recently or not, one of the things I want you to take away from today is encouragement. You are living out your God-given identity as a ruler. Saying that, you may find that in the current climate, God is birthing new dreams in you to join a project or start a new initiative to renew society in a health sector, or economy, or politics, or media, or arts. Or it may be that with the tools God has given you, that you realise you need to switch jobs or refocus your time elsewhere for you to be more effective in allowing society to flourish. Or you may find that the Holy Spirit is nudging you to not spend that third hour on Netflix, but to use it to call a friend or help someone in need. As I said, we are already living out our identity as God-rulers, but I encourage you to reflect and ask the Holy Spirit today is there something different or more that I can be doing? Am I using the unique set of tools that you've given me God to contribute to the renewal of the earth? And let's not forget we're as much individuals as we are the collective church. As a church one of our main focuses is the 42 building and no doubt this building will play a huge part in renewing the land as a result of the pandemic. By each of us using the tools in our hands, whether that's a literal hammer or a paintbrush or time towards admin, research, fundraising, giving, we can all play a part in being rulers over the land there. And there are other ways that the church is seeking to restore the earth, whether that's through Greater Manchester citizens or providing essential items to those in need or by praying and interceding for God's kingdom to come or by serving others in small group. There's so many ways to take part in ruling over the land through the church. God has created us all with a unique blend of skills, gifting, and personality. No matter who we are, we've all been called to use the tools we've been given to subdue the earth and move it towards a place of renewal and flourishing. So this is our identity. We've been made in God's image to represent his character. And we've been made in God's image to represent God's rule over the land. I want to encourage you all today to aim to faithfully represent God's character in every environment you're in and to take hold of your identity as a ruler on this earth, evaluate the land in front of you and the tools in your hand and use it to contribute to renewal and to flourishing. But just before I finish, I want to address this one last thing. Some of you may be filled with excitement and, and anticipation as you've heard me speak, but others of you may feel like there's now a burden on you Perhaps you're reflecting on the fact that no matter how well equipped we are, the likelihood is that due to sin we'll mess up in some way. And I get that. We already know that Adam and Eve messed up representing God and the mandate to rule on his behalf. And then after them came Noah and Abraham, Moses, David, all of these bible characters who gave representing God and ruling a good go, but ultimately they messed up too. But that's one of the reasons why Jesus came as a man. God came in human form in the person of Jesus, all because God hadn't given up on the idea of humans representing and ruling with him. We see that Jesus succeeded where humanity failed. In Colossians 1.15 it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. We know that humans were made in the image of God to represent him, and here we see that Jesus is the most true representation of God. He is the image of God. He is the reality of which we are just shadows due to our moral compromise. And now, by the work Jesus has done on the cross, allowing us to be in union with him and through the Holy Spirit, the image of God is being renewed in us. There's tons of metaphors the Bible uses for this, such as we're being transformed into his likeness, we've taken off our old humanity, we've put on our new humanity, and there's more. And Not only is Jesus the image of God, Jesus also shows us what it looks like to rule over creation. He saw the world around him and used everything he had to bring renewal to the land. And he did it in a way that truly represented God's character. He loved his enemies, he served those around him, he healed people and he set them free from bondage. He spent time with the outcasts, elevating their status in society, and he provided for those who would not be able to give him anything. In his time on earth, Jesus demonstrated what true ruling looked like. And now after his death and resurrection, we're invited to follow him with the help of the Holy Spirit to restore our ability to fulfil God's command to rule over creation. So now, as we're united to Jesus, as we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we find that once again we can be partners with God in his project earth. As we follow the way of Jesus, we represent God, and rule in a way that fulfils the cultural mandate given all that time ago. We learn from his teaching, we rely on his strength, and we are increasingly transformed into the image and the rulers that we're meant to be. So we're just going to take a moment now to welcome the Holy Spirit. So wherever you are, I just encourage you to just open yourself up. You may find that opening up your hands or closing your eyes just to open your your body to the Spirit of God. So, Holy Spirit, we we welcome you here now. We thank you that you're with us, and we pray fill us up all in our individual houses, wherever we may be listening to this. Just come fill us up. Yeah, and I feel for some of us today, as we've reflected on this past year with COVID, um, we may have maybe thinking well it's just been a waste that we've not been able to do things that we've hoped for that we've not been able to see people that we've have changed jobs that just our situation has changed in such a way that it's shaken our identity and i feel like god's really trying to encourage and reassure you that yeah that you are made in the image of god that you've been made as a ruler and that no matter what the last years looked like no matter what changes there've been that that's still been the case I think he just wants to reassure you and pour out his love on you again. That that your identity has not changed. And yeah, I feel for others of us, other, others of us, as we've looked back, um, we may have felt God stir, um, just maybe new thoughts or new dreams or new ideas um, of, of what we want Manchester or our workplaces or our homes to look like of ways that we can restore and rebuild um, everything around us. Yeah, I just really encourage you, if that's you, if you've been, you feel like God's been giving you vision, um, I just encourage you to just grab hold of it and to run with it. To trust God that he's made you the way that he's made you. He's given you unique tools and unique gifting. And he's called you to rebuild and restore the land in this unique way. Yeah, I already feel. I also feel that someone might be having some pains or strange sensations in their shoulder. Um, yeah, so I just want to pray for that right now, Lord. That yeah, that you will you come and just feel that person right now, and that their shoulder will just be healed. Yeah, so I just want to end first now in prayer. Yeah, so Father, I thank you that you know us and that you've created us all individually. I thank you that we are uniquely made and that we have unique lives and unique stories. That we have homes and workplaces and places to go and people that we meet that other people don't meet. Father, I pray that you will just um, come and fill us afresh and remind us afresh of our identity that's in you. Remind us that we represent you wherever we go. Remind us that we have a part to play in renewal of the land. um, Through your Holy Spirit, just give us all that we need and pour out your love on us, Lord, so that we can live lives for you. We pray this in your name, Lord.